Welcome, welcome to the Wolves Within Podcast. It is Monday, November 2nd, and it is, I don't know, five years in the 14 days to slow the spread. But, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. (laughs) That's where we're at. Uh, Just want to harp again that I told everyone in March, this, this shit ain't going anywhere. And I feel like today's podcast is going to get a bit full on. I got pretty wound up. Man, I guess you could even say a bit emotional. I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan and Alex Jones and um, Tim White, Willis? Something with a W. Anyway, I was listening to the podcast and I I wasn't going to do a podcast today because... It's a little late in the day, and I like doing them in the morning when I'm all wired up, but uh, got myself some tea here, and uh, yeah, I got the energy, because listening to the podcast, it, it, it wound me up real quick. And let me just start off by saying, um, so what brought me on today is, is the coronavirus stuff again, and I suppose the other part of it as well is that I'm pretty wound up about how people are continuously getting censored off the internet. And I thought when I first started doing this podcast, it was like, oh man, you know, what's the point? There's already so many people out there that, you know, think the things that I do and have their platforms and say it. And it's like, well, (laughs) actually there kind of isn't that many and we lose, we lose a few every week, so... I'm going to just keep doing my thing. Um, I keep track of how many listeners I've had or have, and uh, I've noticed that it's been also gradually increasing as time goes on. So, uh, yeah, I appreciated everyone that listens, and uh, yeah, let's get into it. So, number one, since we're leading off with COVID as always, I want to say that the... So if you don't, if, and I know I've mentioned him before on the podcast, but if you don't know him, Dr. Shiva, he's running for Senate in Massachusetts. He's suing the state government there for um, throwing away ballots and election fraud, and I think he's suing Twitter as well for deplatforming him during the election. But anyway, I remember when I listened to him all those months ago. I would say this is probably April or so, because that's when Shiva started getting real big. Who was he? Who did he do a thing with? I know he did one with Anomaly, and I can't remember who else he did one with. But he got real big real fast. And so, Dr. Shiva is an expert in the immune system, and he has been saying since April, you know, get vitamin D, go outside, get fresh air, take vitamin C, take zinc, take this, take that, blah, blah, blah. If you do get sick... Increase the vitamin C to whatever, I forget, it's like 10,000 or 50,000 or something crazy. Like, I think the vitamin C tablets that I take every day are like 400 or something per, so that's 800, and he's talking about 50,000 when you get sick. But anyway, I was thinking about that because apparently the guy on Joe Rogan's podcast, Jamie, the guy that does all the like web searches and stuff while Joe Rogan's doing the podcast... He apparently had coronavirus, and he was really only sick for a day. Now, 
he's 37. I'm a bit younger than that, but I had a sore throat probably two weeks ago. And I know everyone would have, you know, gone and gotten tested and this and that and the other thing. But for me, it was like, dude, (laughs) I just think there's two different kinds of people. There's people, and I appreciated the lady that said this on Pete Evans' podcast about how when when your mind has a certain idea of when you get sick, that's how your body's going to respond as well. So if you have it in your mind that you can kick anything's ass, well, then you're going to stand a better chance against it. But anyway, the vitamin C and D and whatnot that you take as supplements, they're not a cure. They're a preventative measure because the virus won't be able to replicate. And this is the other thing with viruses. So, and I made this comparison with my partner yesterday. When you get sick all the time, let's say even on purpose, because when I was a kid, you were told to play outside and play in the dirt and, you know, get dirty and whatever. That's just part of life. That's how you, you get a strong immune system. Well, that old wives' tale is true. So every time you get sick, your antibodies basically take a copy of that illness and store it in a database. And this is why when you get a vaccine, you are then you have the antibody for if that virus has entered your body in the future. That's why when you get a vaccine, you're getting a a piece of a virus that's almost dead, so it's in a weakened state, so that your body can fight it off. Although you can still get sick, and I have gotten sick from um, vaccines before, but the whole point is that you're supposed to be getting a small dose of it so that your antibodies can learn it, and then if you do encounter that virus again in the future, your antibodies already know how to kill it. So, in theory, the more often you get sick, the more well-rounded your antibodies become, and the better off you become in your ability to fight off a virus. So, when he was talking about it, I started thinking in my head about how I've started to take vitamin C. And I didn't even start taking vitamin C for this. I, I started taking vitamin C because... Allergies, hay fever, that's why I started taking it. And you know what? It works. How many doctors out there would have prescribed? And I've been on this stuff my whole life, man. Nasonax, Claritin, blah, blah, blah. I've been on them my entire life. And I've never, ever, ever found one that works. There you go. All I needed to do was take freaking vitamin C. So, anyway, it's it got me to thinking about the reactionary courses that we've taken because of COVID. And there's basically two camps. There's the camp of me that says, look, you're not going to eradicate all viruses from the planet. So it's better to, once I'm not saying go cough on old people. I'm saying protect those who are at risk, which let's be frank, they're always at risk. The people that are at risk are just as at risk for coronavirus as they are any other illness. It's just that this one is the one that the media is highlighting and it's contagious right now. So there's two different camps. There's the camp of me, which is get sick, build your immune system, eat healthy, get good sleep, drink good water, breathe good air, get exercise, get sunlight, be sociable, have friends, do stuff. 
And then there's the camp of literally just don't do anything, stay in your house as much as possible, limit your human contact as much as possible, wear a dirty fucking mask where you're going to breathe in your doo-doo caca breath constantly. And by the way, I was watching Alan Jones and there was a study that talks about how there's actually an increase in respiratory infections from wearing a mask. And if you have something like asthma, emphysema, you know, any kind of respiratory ailment, not only will the mask make those worse, but it can actually cause a respiratory ailment in the future from wearing it. I mean, this isn't rocket science, people. If you put something over your mouth, you're going to breathe in more of your exhaled air. Exhaled air isn't good. Just like sitting in a stuffy room's not good. And that's hundreds of times greater than the size of my mask. So when I'm confining that little space just like this over my mask or over my mouth 24/7 and I'm breathing in that exhaled air like I don't I don't know how the hell this is debatable but I mean this is 2020. This is 2020. That's just the way it is now. It's like you have you have to prove the most basic logical concepts now with with epidemiology and the WHO and NIH and blah, 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 blah. It's like, why people don't think that these people can be bought off, I, I don't understand. But anyway, it, it remind, my, my thing is I like to speak in, in um, parables, like metaphors, parables, stories, whatever, metaphors, comparisons. So I, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, how can I explain the two different thought camps for how to deal with a virus, and then I thought, well, it's kind of like swimming. So the current government's response, if you can't swim, would be never go near a body of water, don't ever go on a boat, don't ever go near a pool, don't ever go near water, period. Don't even step near a bathtub. You might fall in and drown. Whereas we all know, how do you learn how to swim? You get in the fucking pool and you learn. You know, sadly, not every human being is going to survive. It's, I guess, I don't even want to call it natural path because that's not a good way of looking at it. But let's say most human beings are not going to live their life start to finish off the expiry date on their heart or their lungs or their brain or any other organ. Most are going to die from something in between, something that they don't control. That's just life. You know, take solace in the fact that you're an infinite being. It's not the end of the road. It's just the end of this one. It's not like, it's not a video game where you, you turn the game off and you never turn it back on again. You're going to go somewhere else. You're going to move on. It's okay. And this idea that you have this obligation to protect your vehicle in this reality is just beyond me. And, and I don't know, man, maybe it's because I've had a different way of experiencing life. Maybe it was the military. Maybe it was, you know, what happened to me with my mental health journey or whatnot. But at, at the end of the day, I don't take, I don't take it that seriously because I, you're not in control anyway. You have a statistically higher chance of getting in a car accident and dying on your way to getting tested for COVID than you do COVID. 
And this is the other thing. What, what, if the death numbers are this bad, and I like how they brought up incubations, or intubations, sorry, incubations, intubations in Joe Rogan's podcast, and that's because a lot of this stuff, a lot of the, 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 the reason why we've done things a certain way is because of money. It's all about money. And the biggest thing of coronavirus is what? Declaring who's essential and who's not. And a lot of small business owners were declared non-essential or because of social distancing practices and all this and that and the other thing, they're not fully staffed. Or because of the state boundaries and whatnot in Australia, they're losing business that way. So it, it, it's about consolidation of power. And, and why I'd have to sell someone on where the incentive is for the billionaire elite to eliminate small business, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Maybe I can break it down this way because I always feel like history is one of the greatest teachers in life. And that's, if you go back throughout history and you look at who the kings and queens feared the most. The kings and queens feared the most the barons because of their military might and their ability to call a banner, and the mercantile class, the bankers, the tradesmen, the blah, 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 because kings and queens didn't know how to get everything done. They can't build a castle. they got to pay someone to do it for them. They don't know how to, I don't know, keep an account of all their holdings, and they don't know how to train horses or whatever, whatever the task might be. They need someone to do that stuff for them. So that's who they've always feared. And this is why there's that real famous Rockefeller quote of, I want a populace that is smart enough to run the machines, but dumb enough not to be able to question it or build them or something like that. I don't remember the exact quote. But the more educated you create the populace, the more the populace will question its power, its validity, the system's validity, its own validity. It all becomes into question when, when critical thinking is at the forefront. Now, in today's world with technology, there ain't much critical thinking going on, folks. I can promise you. And I mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. When I went to the University of Illinois, most people, most, I'd say... 95% of the student body was, in my opinion, way below par. Way below what I thought college would have been like when I was in high school. To think I was intimidated back then. What a crock. Teachers in high school do a better job of holding you accountable than in college. And I don't just mean attendance. I mean there's teachers out there that will demand more of you in high school than, than, there are, than some professors in college. And the more that we lose this ability to critical think and challenge our own existence and challenge the validity of power, the more oppressed we're going to become. The fact that I have to have these conversations with people proves it. And then the other thing is, is that all these decisions that are made by these people, none of them are affected by it. They mentioned Bill Gates. They brought up in CBS about how his vaccine killed 80% of the people in trials. 
And he's like, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do? Because the fuck does he care? And then who, who do you, what kind of human being do you think is jumping up and down and excited to go get a brand new vaccine that's never had human trials before? It's the desperate. That's it. Those are the only people desperate enough to even try. And unfortunately, 80% lost their life over it. But hey, if I were to survey that 80% that died, I'm sure there's a few in that 80% that, that they wouldn't change it. Because that's how bad it was. And, th and this is why the, the entire system on earth has failed. Completely failed. But let's get back to the education thing. Because I love when people bring up democracy and whatnot. Every major political thinker throughout history, and when you, when you take political science, you study, there's like names that everyone that studied political science knows. Aristotle, Plato, Hobbes, um, oh, what's his name? Not Thomas Paine. Um, John Locke. There's all these names that people know all over the world for political science because they're the founders of political science thought and philosophy. I, I prefer to consider myself more a political philosopher than science because I didn't want to learn about GDPs and international relations and war histories and culture and not to say that none of that stuff's important. I'm just saying that's not what I wanted to study. I wanted to study the actual philosophical reasoning behind the governments that we create today. And unfortunately, from, from what I've researched, most universities don't even offer that. Like U of I had a political science course, a political science degree. They didn't have political philosophy. Anyway, that's, we're getting off track here. My point is, is that those people that you study, everyone studies that takes political science, Guys like Aristotle wanted the government to decide who you would marry, what job you'd have, how many kids you were allowed, what, your uh, what you would study and read and blah, 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 blah. Because every single one of them, and they use the term citizen, they don't use the term person. Because back then there were slaves and whatnot. So only, only the elite would be able to vote. Only the elite would be a citizen. I want to say even in Athens... You had to be a citizen to vote. I don't know. That stuff was so long ago. And like Joe Rogan says, you can't just throw stuff on the internet without proving it. And I'm not going to prove this stuff. I, I challenge other people to prove me wrong. But anyway, point being is that if they took all, if they wanted to take all those precautions in the how a citizen was raised, then why would we have faith in a democracy today where a majority of people, I guarantee, in the United States would not be able to tell me why November 11th is an important date? It's different in Europe. It's different in Australia because it's known here as Remembrance Day, not Veterans Day. But Remembrance Day is November 11th at 1111 in 1911, right? No. 1918, 19, what was it, Treaty of Versailles, right, I could ask Google, 
Hey, Google, when was the Treaty of Versailles signed? The 28th of June, 1919. According to Versailles, almost half a century after the proclamation of the German Empire, French President Clemenceau savored his revenge on the 28th of June, 1919, when the defeated German delegates signed the peace treaty in the Hall of Mirrors, in the same place... Nah, come on. There's a reason why it's 11-11. Okay, so, yeah, alright. I thought it was, yeah, alright. I got the year mixed up. But, yeah, it was November 11th on 11 a.m. I thought it was 11 p.m. But, anyway, yeah, it was it was to comm commemorate the ending of the, of the First World War, Armistice Day. Anyway, so, point being is that when you have a democracy... And I could walk around, and I could ask people that question. All right, well, what's Armistice Day? They'd be like, what? I don't know. Arborist Day? What are you talking about? Most people probably couldn't even tell me who the first president was in America. And that's probably, like, very common table talk <laughs> trivia. Most people would know that. I guarantee 90% wouldn't know that the Constitution was written four years after the uh, Articles of Confederation, or the Bill of Rights was ratified four years after the Constitution was written, or that the Articles of Confederation existed before the Constitution, or that we were, the, we were already pretty much at war with England before the Declaration of Independence. Or why the taxes exist. I don't know, whatever. I don't want to, this isn't about me flexing my history. This is about history knowledge. This is about me trying to explain is how in the world can we think democracy is going to work when most people don't know anything about their government or their history. I mean, you have people in legislature, like people like AOC saying that there's four branches of government. Huh? What? This is a person that literally represents a district in the United States House of Representatives? That's the standard now? So, long story short, especially with technology, they're going to continue and continue and continue to get us dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber. And it, just, it makes me think about how... Uh, one of the reasons why people apparently this is this is theory. I don't know if this is like proven. I, I'm pretty sure it's it was a uh, psychology thing that I read, but it was talking about why people like the casino so much. And part of the flashing lights and everything is that humans were uh, evolved to look for water because we need water. We can only go three days without water, so it was impervious. Impervious? No. What's the word I'm looking for? It, but I don't know. It behooved us to go look for water, and that's why we're so attracted to the shiny lights and stuff like that. That's why everything is like sensory overload <laughs> with, with humans. I mean, you think Times Square, Tokyo, you know, Vegas. All these places are like boom, sensory overload, sensory overload, and that's kind of what we're addicted to is sensory overload. Because back then it would have meant survival.
So the way that I look at it is that basically all humans are this mammalian evolved creature that has all of these pieces and portions of our brain that are basically our ancient versions of ourselves. And instead of developing the forward thinking part of our brain, you know, prefrontal cortex, decision making, stuff like that, we're always engaged in the old brain, which is like the, the survival brain. It's all like dopamine. Where can I get dopamine? How can I feel good? How can I feel good? How can I feel good? Facebook makes me feel good. Instagram makes me feel good. Likes make me feel good. People saying they like me makes me feel good. This, you know, alcohol, coffee, cigarettes, whatever. You're just always chasing to satisfy that backward part of your brain. And we're always negating and, 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 looking over the front part of the brain. And I, I, I mean, when, when they mentioned about technology, transhumanism, stuff like that, and, how, and then Alex Jones right away talks about how humans have gotten dumber from technology, and I would say humans have gotten less social because of social technology. And it's so true because I, I am absolute trash at math. I mean trash. I can't even do the most basic basic mathematical functions, let alone algebra or calculus or any of the rest of it. And I wonder when, if we didn't have calculators, like where would I be? Man, I wouldn't be able to do the most simple tasks mathematically. And is it because of the calculator? Is it because of me? Is it because of laziness? Or, you know, then the other thing is, is spell checking. Look how bad people's grammar is. Me and my mom were talking about that the other day, about how you read these articles online, and it's like they're not even proofread. And these aren't, you know, these aren't made-up websites. These aren't the run-of-the-mill. These are huge, huge, huge historic institutions, historic papers that have been around for hundreds of years in the United States, and they can't do simple the theirs. Or there's like grammatical uh, grammatical errors and stuff like that. It, it's 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 insane. And then I thought about it. It's like well, because they want to get the article out as fast as they can and get the clicks and make the money and blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, our grammar is getting worse because we're used to the computer catching our mistakes. And I promise you, the computer cannot catch every single grammatical error. It just can't. It's just like with the autonomous cars. They're not, they can't make all of the decisions that human beings make a second. You know, I was watching a thing, what was that? I know it was on TV. I don't remember what it was, but they were talking about how they teach robots how to walk. And the guy was like, yeah, well, come to find out, it's actually really hard to teach a robot to walk. Like, how do you put walking into a mathematical equation? Instead of telling it how to walk, you have to kind of let it learn how to walk, just like we do. The problem is, is that how do babies do it naturally, whereas a computer is doing mathematical equations? It's just, there's so much more to the human being biological system than, than we realize. And, and, 
this whole transhumanism movement, and I like how Alex Jones put it, I want a pro-human movement in the future. I don't believe that everyone is stupid. I believe everyone is failing to reach their potential. The system has failed them. Have they failed the system? Yeah, in some ways, because a lot of people choose not to succeed, or they choose not to learn. They choose not to read. They choose not to challenge themselves. But at the same time, the system fails them in giving them a passion. Because every person on this planet, and this is where the religious part of me kicks in, is that God gives everyone a specific passion. Every single human being on the planet has something they're passionate about. But, because of the way that our system is designed, a lot of these people end up working dead-end jobs and are absolutely miserable, so they spend every single second that they're not at work in escapism. I get it. I'm not... This isn't judgment. I'm trying to, un, I'm trying to say I understand. But I also want, and this goes for every single person that listens to me, I want every single person that listens to me to understand, you are a gift. There is a part of you that was put on this earth for a specific reason. There is a passion somewhere in there. You have to find it. You have to look at it. And you're never going to find it. You're never going to see it when you're spending all your time in escapism. And I'm not saying don't. We watched like four hours of MTV's reality TV yesterday. I, I am wholeheartedly guilty of escapism. But what I'm trying to say is that, and, and before I do a podcast, it's the same thing. I have this nagging thought of, oh, do you really want to do it? And I, I don't know where it comes from. I guess it's, it's the whole tribal instinct like I want to be safe I don't want to rock the boat I just want to conserve energy and you know be safe and be secure and blah 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 and it's like am I really happy when I do that stuff though because it never fails once I actually sit down start talking blah 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 I feel better and I always feel better once it's uploaded and I see that someone heard it and now we're what I think this is episode 10 so we're 10 episodes in and people are still listening. So that's, that's really, really, really motivating to me. And I would have never gotten to this point if I didn't not only push myself, but have other people around me push me as well. So shout out to all those who have pushed me along the way. But it, I don't know. It kind of reminds me how... I don't know. This I could go on a whole other tangent of why I think we fail to live up to our gifts and talents, but I just I, I guess I really am kind of a, not utopian, but I, I just I know that every single person has something that they're good at. And that's why I come from the stock of no one's better than anyone, man. No one. We're all the same. We're just passionate about different things. And one passion doesn't outweigh the other. Elon Musk isn't better than me. Or, you know, Elon Musk isn't better than you. It's just, he's had a set of circumstances that led him to where he's at. Maybe he followed his gut more. I mean, he did drop out of finance. He was going to school for finance. And then 
changed his mind and completely went a different route. So maybe that's the point. Is like, hey, you know, even these people that are billionaires have to make mistakes sometimes to learn where they want to be. And I guess that's one of the things that I keep with me too, is that a lot of these successful people in the world, they weren't successful until they were much older. So don't don't feel like you, you, you're pressured into doing a specific thing. But my the other thing too is don't get trapped into the scarcity mindset of, you know, well, what if I lose this and lose that and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, if you're going to live your life based on what could happen versus what did, you're never going to go anywhere. You're always going to be worried about what could happen. And really, just as much as what could happen could go wrong, it could go right. It's a flip of a coin, man. It's not a guarantee. But then that also goes into the immune system and what we put into our brains ends up showing up in our body. So, you know, every doctor out there will tell you, oh yeah, stress is, a, stress is a factor of heart disease and cancer and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. It's like, well, if stress can hurt you that much, well, how much can positivity do? Maybe even heal those things. I'm not saying thinking positive thoughts is going to cure cancer. I'm saying that doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. So, but anyway, I kind of wanted to get into the whole climate change stuff too because of this stuff, but I suppose we could save that for another one. It is Monday, so maybe I could get two podcasts out this week. I didn't do one last week, and yeah, maybe I could do two this week, but anyway, anyway. Just end on that note. End on that note that we're all expressions of creation. I love each and every one of you. And, um, yeah, like I've, I've mentioned in the podcast before, don't hold the hate in your heart for these people that are trying to destroy civilization. I mean, I know that sounds like a tall order, but, hey, you don't know what kind of life they grew up in or what their circumstances were, so just leave the judging for, for God. Don't, uh, don't take it into your own hands. It, it's, it's, it's not helpful anyway. It's not helpful. And I guess I got emotional before the podcast because I think about this coronavirus stuff. And I, I, guys, I said it in March. March. Before it got, before, like, we've moved the goalposts how many times now? First it was 14 days, then it was three months, then it was six, now it's a year. Some people are saying two years, some people are saying five, some people are saying ten, some people are saying we're never going to shake hands again, and you shouldn't look at people and turn your head and this and that and the other thing. It's like, where is this going to end? And I said it back then, once you give a right away... Good luck getting it back. So I make this podcast to tell people, look, it starts with you. We had the landlord over the weekend because there was stuff to fix on the property. And they straight up asked me about the election and who I think was going to win and blah, 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 and coronavirus and this and that. And instead of 
self-censorship, which is the real problem in today's world, is self-censorship. This is why everyone thinks that the left is the majority. Because everyone on the conservative part of the aisle is self-censoring to not piss people off. And I was tempted to not say anything. Me! Me! And people that know me know I'm one of the most outspoken people in this world. If not galaxy. And I was, I was thinking in my head, oh, you better not go there. You might upset them, blah, blah, blah. It's like we have this idea of what is polite. What's polite is asking me my political opinion and then not acting like a child when you hear the answer. Because that's the response I get a lot of the time. A lot of the time, people mention politics, and I'll literally have someone, grown person, grown Say, fuck Trump. Word for word. Fuck him. Fuck Trump. It's like, what? What are you, 10? That, that's, that's your political opinion? And because I don't agree with you, that gives you the right to be upset? Nah, dude. Not my reality, man. You got, hey, this world can do whatever it wants. It can say whatever it wants is reality. I know my truth. I know who I am. I know what my reality looks like. And it doesn't look like theirs. It doesn't look like this dystopian nightmare where we're all wearing masks, not looking at each other in the eye, not shaking hands, and turning our heads when we speak. That's not my... For, for masks that haven't been proven to be effective in the fucking first place, that's not my reality. That could be their reality. That ain't going to be mine. And I don't give a shit about jail and, and fines and whatever. Like, dude, do it. Take me to jail. Give me the fines. Do what you, whatever you feel like is going to make you feel better. That ain't going to change me. I've been through too much. I lost too many friends for the idea of quote-unquote freedom to then come back into the civilized world and give up those same fucking rights that we all signed the contract to defend because of some scary 99.9% survivability virus. Uh-uh. And, and, and for that matter, it wouldn't matter what that rate was. And I'm glad that they said it on Joe Rogan's podcast about how this is the new 9-11, because that's exactly what it is. It's exactly that. And I mentioned on the podcast before with the terror threat levels. Are we orange? Are we yellow? Are we magenta? Are we violet? It's the same thing with this shit. How many cases? How many are community? Blah, blah, blah. What stage are we in? This, that, and the other. Oh, man, we're, like, moving into stage two. But I don't know. We had a lot of cases. We better stay in stage three an extra week. And I don't know. If it gets worse, we could go to stage four and but. Like, is the government our parents? They're threatening us with no dessert and early bedtime? <laughs> like, these people work for us. If you believe isolation and masks and all the rest of it works, then stay the fuck home. And let everyone else get on with their life. Because apparently if that all works, then you could stay home, work from home, wear your mask whenever you're outside, Stay socially distanced because we all know it's it, it works, right? 
and you can order your groceries online, do your shopping online, do everything online, and have everything delivered to your door. You can literally remove yourself from society completely. Why the fuck you need to drag everyone else with you? I have no idea. Anyway. I could rant about this stuff all day. Sorry, my computer. Put a screensaver up, as always, even though it's not supposed to. Not saying I didn't type it in wrong, or I didn't type it in right. But, anyway. I could rant about this stuff all day. I just, I really, it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with conversations you have every day with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers, with people on the street. The music you play in your car. It all matters, man. It all matters. So... If anything, that should make us all hopeful because if we all decide to start in our own community on taking a stand, it won't take long for this bullshit to end, man. It won't. They're the one, we're the 99. They're 1%, we're 99%. And the sooner that we can make that our mantra and believe it and live it, the sooner we can all move on. So on that note, I love you all. I hope you have a fantastic week and had a fantastic weekend. I hope to see you back here soon. And as always, stay woke, stay watchful.